And we are back. Welcome to another episode of Two Saved Queens. And ooh, have we got a fun episode for you today. This train ain't stopping for nothing. No breaks, no sleep. If the world won't take its foot off our neck, we won't stop fighting back. How are we, Miss Devereaux? Hey, Miss Malachi. My sister. Doing good, my sister. <laughs> I'm gonna call. I'm gonna be like my mom and call everyone my sister, a friend of twenty years. Oh yeah, she does. She that. sure does. So like a friend of twenty years is my sister. A bitch I just met yesterday is also my sister. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, I am okay. I'll be honest with you. I'm okay, girl. Um, I think I'm ready to move. Like I, I, we talked about it last week. That New York rave party. New York queens who are um, just still living their lives. And recently I found out that one of my babies, a child I raised and apparently just did not raise well, Uh Uh um, has been dating, has been dating, has been going out there, meeting people. And I'm like, here I am. What kind of dating is she doing? There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. Uh, Well, the kind of dating that happens indoors, we'll oh, say. Oh, got it, got it, girl. Got <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, she she went out of her way to say, you know, I'm not going to lie to y'all because y'all my family. And, I, you know, I'm going to be honest. And I'm like, girl, fuck the family. The family fucked my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking it back with like, the old school 97 <laughs> soul food reference. Okay, I see you, girl. Like. I mean, it really did take me there. Like, I was kept in cube. I was like, I couldn't believe this girl is out there seeing men and dating during Corona times. When their race, I'm not going to say where she is. She's somewhere. But it's somewhere where the rates are high. Oh, girl. That girl's uh, in New York. Stop playing. You no. know that girl. You know that girl has to be in New York. I won't say where she is, but she is somewhere where the rates are high. You know how you, those New York <laughs> girls are, you know. They are wild, I, honey. They are risk takers. What is that about? I swear, every time I go to New York, those girls got me running for some trains in my heels. Like, I'm like, can't we just walk there at a nice, leisurely pace? Like, what is that about? Girl, they always running from trains, running to trains, running trains. <laughs> I'm, the minute prep came out, all the girls was going raw in New York. You know how those girls oh. <laughs> Those girls in New York are wild, honey. But I mean, I was a New York girl once for a little bit, so I understand the tea. That's right. It's just those girls are, they're wild, and it's just what it is. That's part of the culture, you know? Well, it just wears me out. That's why I don't know if I'll ever truly become a New York girl, but... um... How are you? What's going on with you? Um, how's, how goes the apartment? <laughs> the time yeah, inside. girl, it's good. Because, you know, I'm quarantining with family. I, I moved to a bigger place. I was going to get claustrophobic in my little 800 square feet. So I really, I had to leave in early April. I packed my bags after I had, you know, taken my temperature for two weeks and everything <laughs> and moved in with, with, with some of my family just because I, I was getting real claustrophobic I couldn't take it I think I think that's what I'm feeling like I need to get out like because it just hit me this past week and I was like you bitch you have been at home for two months and this and I love my little studio and my rent control but I'm like I might need to go somewhere like I've had some friends who have also been talking about maybe renting a house in Miami away from the beaches not near no people you know safe you know to be safe in these times but I was like I just gotta go somewhere so it's like maybe you know she'll take like a little road trip cross country something like that to go to Miami girl you know quarantine from LA you're gonna drive from LA to Miami It's only forty hours. Only so, it's how? Only where you gonna sleep? <laughs> you gonna sleep in your car, or <laughs> what are you gonna do? Uh, you know, 
I really did think about that part. <laughs> Girl, well, you done, you done done it before. You done been there and done that. Sleeping in the uh, car. So. We ain't got to talk about that. That's story Girl, for another you time. Been you know? there she's had to do what she's had to do out in these so LA you can streets. can do it once again. Just like you did in the old days, honey. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I was curious about the hotels. Because I know, yeah, our our hotels, yeah, there are hotels opening up, I think. Uh, I mean, we'll I, get to Yeah, it. I think there are some that are that have stayed open, very few. I think there are some that may be opening up. But, I mean, when you're talking mm. about these little rural, rural areas driving across the country, I mean, it's no guarantee that, you know, what you need is going to be open when you need it. So... Ooh. Yeah, girl. I mean, I'm just trying to look out True for you, girl, because we're sisters. We're sisters no. in Christ. Yes. Look sisters in Christ, That's honey. the sweet behavior there. I'm trying to look out. <laughs> okay. Come on. You better watch out for me. Sister's keeper. My, My sister's, sister's keeper. keeper. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I think, you know, just thinking about all of this, I think that can lead us into good news and bad Let's news. do it. Some good news. And just to follow up to a segment we did last week. Almost 2,000 former Department Just or Department of Justice officials uh, who worked at the DOJ, various mm. lawyers, are calling for Attorney General Bill Barr's resignation after he dropped charges against Michael Flynn, Trump's uh, first national security advisor. Because right. there's been quite a few since then. <laughs> you know, she goes through people. She goes. She through goes people. through a few people. Yeah. A reminder that Flynn pled guilty twice to lying to the FBI about his contacts with Russia and the Department of Justice's dismissal of charges against someone who pled guilty to a crime is unprecedented, meaning this has never happened before. And actually, um, yeah, this is, I mean... I know, I know this so, is something that you're happy to see, because uh, I feel like, or just to see that attention on it, because uh, I thought it was even interesting that, you know, Obama... Obama coming back, Obama returning. Um, you know, in the news, he—I know he had done—he had a moment where he was kind of coming out for Joe Biden. But recently, um, there was leaked audio of a conversation he had with his staffers called like the Obama Alumni Association. I'm like, what a name! Uh, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a couple family members in the Obama Alumni. Oh yeah, are you in yeah, it? Girl. Do they call us? Wait, I'm not in it. I'm uh-huh. not. I'm not in that prestigious group. But oh wait, yeah. wait, hold on. Let me do it. Oh, Obama. I'm a, so OAA. Do they be like, hey, bitch, you in the OAA? You down with OAA? <laughs> yeah. You down with OAA, honey? Yeah. Girl, I oh. mean, but, I'm uh, sure it's a little hype. I'm sure it's a little bit hype. Oh, I mean, child, you getting this good audio, like Obama getting real. And of course, you know, it was probably, because of course, there's, I bet it was a black person who leaked it. Somebody leaked it for, you know, it's on the front of like, you know, the USA Today and every other major But news. you know, Obama, with that many people on the call, he knows it's going to leak. So, I mean, oh, he's saying these things because he point. wants to get them out into the public. My, that's my, right. it's not even my assumption. Oh, it's probably right. That's I a mean, good point. I mean, we should say know, what he said. Um, so so what he yes. said, well, basically he made a point of the fact that um, this was a notable move um, and it's only something that's worrying and a moment where an example that the rule of law is at risk, like our institutional norms um, are at risk with the um, the action that Attorney General Barr is taking. Um, and he did make the point that I know you had kind of missed as well, is that like Michael Flynn was not, he had not been, um, he had not been... Uh, what do you call it? He hadn't been well, charged he had, he had with not perjury, perjury. So, He had not faced perjury charges, yeah, but he both, did admit both to lying. I, exactly. So I made that mistake last week, as did President Obama, in saying that Michael Flynn was charged with perjury. He was charged with a similar charge, 
not not quite perjury. It was you know lying to federal investigators. A, le- a level below that, just like a couple levels. Yeah, below. just a level below. He didn't lie on the witness stand per se, but he lied in an interview with the FBI. And again, President Obama was just making note that this is kind of the start of breaking down of the rule of law and how mm. this breakdown can accelerate very quickly. You yeah. know, um, and this is the same call where he made. You know, he talked about the Trump administration's failures and the federal government. Yes, uh, failures I think did he say catastrophic or just like really strong turns saying the way that I think I think he did say catastrophic. And yeah. of course, you know, Miss DJT, Miss Donald J. Trump had something to say on Twitter. Because I feel like that's what Obamagate. Yeah, that's what set off the mm-hmm. whole Obamagate was like, you know, she. And now, of course, we have Fox News going in about actually, you know, I think Obama was the one behind all this Russia stuff. It was I was like, girl, you girl, who cares about Russia? Everything. I mean, like, who cares he, about that right now? Well, also, 80, it's just people like, are dead. Like, <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's I mean, they're trying to they're the ones, the Republicans and Trump and the Fox News girls, they're the ones rehashing that Russia tea. like, but they're trying to distract us from the fact that 80,000 people are dead mm. because of the federal government's inept response to coronavirus. Like, you know, they're trying to distract us. So we can't get caught up and bogged down in all that bullshit. We got to, you know, rise above it. Just like, just like, you know, Obama says to do rise above that shit. Like he's not going to respond to DJT about that, you know? So I, I don't, I don't think that Miss DJT merits a response either to that bullshit. And that Obama gate and all that, all that kind yeah. of, you know, it's just it's just a distraction. It is, and it just really hits when you look at like the numbers in terms of like how many people have died from like other wars that we have fought and things like that. Like you know, and and just like seeing you know with the discussions about reopening that numbers potentially are doubling like, every time Trump does a press conference saying, "Oh well, our numbers might even double." And it's like if that amount of Americans had died in a war, like it would be completely unforgivable. Like, oh, for sure. For sure. Like, thinking about, you know, who, you know, how many people died during 9-11 and times like that. I think it was, what, like, 2,996 yeah. people died at 9-11. Oh, like, that's we an literally... exact number. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it was just under 3,000. Yes, honey. She got the she got the figures. <laughs> yeah, you go, girl. And so this is, thinking about where we're already at, you know, between 20 and 30 times that number. So it's just crazy, like, you know, from... And from coronavirus, kind of circling back, it's also funny that, you know, there's another um, thinking about that New York rave story that we talked about last week in terms of reckless girls and coronavirus. Um, <laughs> you know, what happened with that, Miss Malachi? What happened with that? <laughs> yeah, I had a follow up. That was another one of my follow up where there was uh, I mean, the, I'm sure other <laughs> of the girls who were at the party maybe put out statements, but there was one from the DJ who it just it was a video uh and we could try and add it to the show though, but it just had me cracking up because he basically made this point he's like you know did i basically saying that like while he was at the party yes i didn't wear a mask <laughs> he had it around his neck but he's like after i left the party i was wearing a mask i was doing what i was supposed to do so did i risk thousands of lives no but my life and the people at the party yeah i risked those <laughs> She's yeah. like, okay, girl. <laughs> she sounds uh, so dumb. I mean, she's like making it worse. <laughs> Mom, you know, I talked about it. Be a smart dumb hoe. Keep your mouth shut. You, you messed up. <laughs> yeah. So just be quiet. Don't say shit. But this yes. girl is going on there saying more dumb stuff. Try to defend girl. yourself. This is not it. That's not the way. Yeah. And it's so funny because there's another video circulating of a, a 24-year-old girl's birthday party 
a white gay girl. She was saying how, um, and the girls were reading her talking about how old she looked. <laughs> how old I do mean, they think she looked? They were saying she's 24, but looking 42. <laughs> You know, they said she ain't and, been wearing sunscreen. She wasn't wearing that sunscreen. You know, and she had—I mean, she had a she had a nice body, and they were all in swimsuits. They must have been in somewhere hot. I don't know if it was Florida or Texas, but she didn't look that like, bad to me. But all those girls still look like stupid hoes. I mean, I mean, there was at least like ten people media. at the. There was at least like ten people there, right? Yeah, just another crew of white queens being dumb, of course, like publicly dumb. Being, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't feel bad for those girls, but I do feel bad for the birthday girl because they're they're ragging on her on Twitter talking about how old she looks. I, I don't see it, and it doesn't even look like it's close up enough to me to say she looks that old, but, you know, the girls say she looks worn out already, so. I think, I think all the, I think everyone's feeling a little afraid with the fact that, like, I'm still, like I said at the top of the show, like, I'm here stuck at home and y'all bitches are getting together, throwing birthday parties and going on trips. So I think everyone has a yeah. little bit less patience, a little bit less kindness than we normally show our um, fellow. <laughs> I think so, girl. But, you know, the girls are rough on Twitter, too. So, yeah, you know, they, they don't do. play no games. They do not um, play no games. But, I mean, to be fair, like, they're, you know, we were talking about, like, those white queens at the New York Ray party. But I think some white people in general and some Trump white people... Or, well, it's not just Trump white people, but just some Trumpians uh, are not the, are the only not the only ones doing like uh, irresponsible behavior. So we finally did find out who I know you had mentioned it last week, and we didn't have the name of the person who yes. had she brought in um, the in fact right you know. But now infection. we know, girl. Now who we what know. what is her, what is her name? Who Ms. was it? Katie Miller. Miss Katie Miller. Miller. Who? Yes. Who is Miss Katie uh, Miller? So, Miss Katie Miller is the press secretary for Vice President um, Michael R. Pence. Um, She's also Stephen Miller's wife. (laughs) Yes, and Stephen Miller is a special advisor to the president, to Donald Trump. She's also known as the Nazi girl. She's a white supremacist sympathizer. uh, Very open about that. The architect, she she writes a lot of Miss DJT's speeches talking about American carnage and, you know, all of that type of stuff. So, you know... All of those girls, I mean, they reap what they sow, honey. Mm. And um, now they're saying that girls at the White House are scared to report to work. Um, I saw and now, that. Who who was that? That was some, that was some official. It was like, yeah, that was one of like, his economic advisors who said right, he was scared, right. but he was going to do his duty. And anyway, the girls, especially because I bet. I bet, like most people around them, they're not being encouraged to wear a mask because there was that recent roundtable that happened, right? Yeah, girl. And so, yeah, it's so funny. You know, Miss Mike Pence, she went to Iowa and she met with CEOs of agricultural firms and, and meat firms. And um, and actually, one of Miss Mike Pence's assistants came on stage and told the CEOs and the agriculture heads to take they their masks off before Mike on, Pence came onto the and stage. They, they had them on. Yes. And by the way, this yes. was right before right before this, Miss Katie Miller had just been with Mr. Mike Pence. Wow. So. And the, see, the girl, these girls are really playing with this virus, and this virus is not playing with them. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny because the White House is just, they're, now they want all the girls who work in the White House to wear a mask and the Secret Service to wear a mask. They're late as fuck with this. Like, bitch, we've, I've been wearing a mask since March. So how, y- how y'all bitches in the White House are just going to be wearing a mask? Now and we're deep in May. We're halfway through May. I mean, I've just so, I've just seen so many interesting studies just about how just that behavior of wearing masks can do so much for 
um, you know, slowing down the spread of the virus. And, you know, one great example is like Japan, where, yes, you know, it being, you know, an Asian country with that culture of like wearing masks, but they don't even have lockdown. And there's still, I think there was like, this was, you know, we're recording this a couple of days later. I think there was recently there was like a day where they maybe had 26 people who, you know, had it. But like compared to like how many we've had, like I think that same day we had like 400 cases, something like that. So just that behavior, like, can make such a difference. And I think, you know, I think long term, like, I'm going to be a mask girl. I'll be mask for mask. Like, yeah, I am too. <laughs> just, yeah, mask for mask girl. Mask for yeah, mask. Yeah. Just over this weekend, my mom was asking me, she, you know, she was for Mother's Day. She's like, oh, do you want me to send you some? I don't know why she was doing it for me for her Mother's Day. She's like, oh, you know, I'm going to send you some mask. And I was like, oh, well, let me, let me get that blue one. Like, I'm going to spend money on masks. I want some cute ones that'll match my outfits. Like, this is it, like, especially in the fall and winter. Like, I'm not going to say year round, but definitely cold and flu season, honey, mask on. All day. Mass down. Mass down, bitch. <laughs> mass down. I'm, I'm going to be masked down. Oh, mask down. Because, I mean, yeah, through cold and flu season, I mean, and then on airplanes, of course, even maybe after the run is over, I'm, I'm going to be like Miss Naomi Campbell. And, oh, yeah, I'm talking. You know, I'm, she was way ahead of. Yeah, no. She was way ahead of her time with that, honey. She she already knew. It's like she already knew. Yeah, I'm definitely talking post-Rona. Like, I'm not even th- like, this is. I'm I'm thinking long term. I'm thinking two, three years down the line. Like this is, because I mean, there's different. It's a whole other thing of like whether this is the beginning of like us seeing more and more types of things like this happening with global warming and climate change and everything like that. But oh, we already got some heavy stuff to get through. So let's leave that for another time. <laughs> um, indeed, indeed. Um, speaking of heavy news and bad news for my, um, I'm not gonna say my fellow Bernie Bros because I did not identify that way. But um, sad news for um, those who love themselves some Bernie. Um, two points that Bernie recently made was that he don't give a fuck about what's happening with the VP. Um, basically, he has not been having any of those conversations with um, Joe Biden. I know that's been quite one of the news topics is, you know, trying to figure out, trying to guess who Biden is going to pick as his VP. There's been a lot of talk that he'll likely pick a black woman a lot of talk on Stacey Abrams Kamala Harris girl do you have an opinion of who you think might be in the well running? we do know it's a woman we I mean, yes he definitely confirmed it will be a woman. a woman so yeah I mean I'm really leaning I think he's going to choose Kamala Harris because I think they already have an established mm. rapport I think they have a prior relationship I think um I think he's being pulled in two directions I think oh what's the other direction you know, I think the white girls on his staff, Elizabeth you know, Warren, they just are a little out of touch, and I think they're trying to get him to pick like an Amy Klobuchar. Oh Midwest. no, I was thinking yeah, maybe Elizabeth girl, Warren, we... but Amy Klobuchar. Ugh. Girl, she's the last one on my list, honey. I think that would be a slap in the face. What voters is she going to help the get? The girls. <laughs> I they. I mean, the Midwest. They say, oh, but I don't okay. think. I don't know. I think. I think he's going to choose Miss Kamala Harris because I think that's a. I think they just have a natural rapport, mm-hmm. just like he and mm-hmm. President Obama did. Mm. And so, I mean, because I think uh, about that that's one. Just what I'm leaning towards. I do think about that one debate where it really did get heated. But even after that, you know, where she basically was like, um, "How did you vote on segregation?" And you know, I was a black girl having to be on the bus. Um, but but girlfriends fight. I mean, <laughs> we fight. You know, <laughs> friends fight. I don't sometimes. know that we would think... even call them friends, but yes, um, people fight. <laughs> 
Exactly. Yeah. And I think in politics, it's not personal. Yeah. You know? yeah. I feel like if so, anyone got I super think... personal, maybe... That's why I felt like Elizabeth Warren was always going to be a reach, because I don't see them... Um, I, I couldn't see them. I mean, she kind of said maybe, but I don't see that ever being an option. Do you? My thing is that the Bernie girls have really turned on Elizabeth Warren, like the hardcore Bernie girls... They're not coming into the fold just because Elizabeth Warren will be on the ticket. And they're going to come into the fold that, for Kamala? They're not coming into the fold, period, <laughs> some of those girls, I think. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, unless he announces big, sweeping, you know, policy shifts yeah. that are towards progressive policy, which actually we, we, were, we were looking at an article that, uh, and we'll expand upon that later, but he might he very well might do, um, pursue kind of like the FDR route of big policy ideas, so... We'll be looking forward to talking about that. Um, I do think we need to uh, do a follow-up also on the story of Ahmad Arbery. Mm. Um, you know, it was, it was a young because... ma- the young man who was killed while jogging. Um, who I, yeah, I was just so... saying caught, was lynched, um, as Miss Keisha, um, Atlanta Mayor, said, called it. Yes, exactly. And it's just so funny because, uh, yeah... Mayor Keisha, she called it. I mean, that girl is on point, or that lady's on point, rather. She, you know, but the thing is, uh, the lawyer for Ahmad Arbery, uh, who I actually need to look up his name, but he works under Benjamin Crump or with Benjamin Crump, he was on The View earlier this week, and he was saying that, along with Ahmad Arbery's mom, who was interviewed, that, um, interestingly enough, um, when when Ahmad Arbery's mom was called, the police told her immediately after Ahmad was murdered that he had been found to be breaking into a house, mm. a house at the time, and the homeowners had killed him. And the police just flat out lied to her. And mm. she said at the time, she had no reason to disbelieve it. She wouldn't think law enforcement mm-hmm. would lie to her, you know. And then as, as further the tape came out and further investigation uh, materials became public, you know, it became clear to her that this was not a justified oh, murder. So awful. Um, but they just flat out lied to her. And I think it was funny because the local law enforcement, the the district attorney's office were all kind of colluding for this cover up to get these two white murderers off the hook. And so it's interesting because now a special prosecutor from northern Georgia, mm-hmm. this this incident happened in southern Georgia, but now a special prosecutor from northern Georgia from the Atlanta area is being appointed and um, it looks like that special prosecutor is going all in on prosecution. So we look forward to seeing justice served in this case. Uh, cautiously optimistic, mm-hmm. but girl, we can't be you know, we all we know we know what happened with Zimmerman. We know what happened in the Michael Brown right. case. Like that's the so part where it's we like got to be cautiously, cautiously optimistic. Yeah, so. like seeing that it took that video to even have anything moving, uh, and it just makes me feel so thankful for what happened in Wilmington, North Carolina, with Damon Shepard and his mother, where those you know, Damien is just you know playing some games on his PlayStation. Knock knock at the door. It's a fucking white mob of people trying to lynch somebody because apparently some family member a young white girl which as we know there's a long history of lynchings happening in relation to a young white girl um they thought she was at his house um they had the wrong house they had the wrong person and would not believe and would not take his word for granted because of course why would you believe a black man um his mother ultimately woke up from you know hearing the discussions of what was happening shielded him and continued to try and talk him down at least were able to hold them off. Um, They tried multiple times to close the door, and the sheriff, who was leading this mob, 
law enforcement, um, would block the door, would not let them close the door. Finally, more law enforcement showed up um, and de-escalated the situation. Thank you so much for de-escalating the situation. Um, And ultimately, did not arrest anyone, did not get any names, any numbers, but just let it be. Because, you know, you all just had the wrong house. The person they were even looking for had not even been there in like the last month, had moved away. So it's like, what are y'all even talking about? Uh, and now that sh- and of course the the local law enforcement tried to cover it up of course again, right? of course I mean, uh, you know and so i mean and this family has tr- it's real trauma from this incident oh my goodness ptsd where they they can't sleep at night i mean and who could blame them i mean uh and thankfully the sheriff has now been fired uh and you know i think i i'm pretty sure she, they have a lawyer they lawyered up and they are suing the um city because this is that type of behavior, which gets into our last story where this, unfortunately, you know, at the very least with Damon and his mom, you know, they still have their lives. But in this last story kind of related, you know, another kind of scenario where someone lost their life, Miss Brianna Taylor. What happened there, girl? Yeah, that was in Louisville, Kentucky. And she was a frontline. This was actually the beginning of the coronavirus epidemic mm. in early March. Like, I did not hear uh, about this at all, which just shows that, like, so how much news is getting buried because we're talking so much about the pandemic, which rightfully exactly. so, but still, y'all still got time to be taking our lives in the midst of this fucking pandemic. Yeah, and so 26-year-old Brianna Taylor, who again was a frontline EMT worker, saving lives, helping out in the pandemic. She was also studying to be a nurse, um, all around just wonderful young woman. She uh, So police incorrectly executed a drug-related search warrant on her home in Louisville, Kentucky, and fired 20 rounds into her home, killing her. This happened back in March, and yet, for some reason, we're just not hearing about it. Again, things are getting swept under the rug during the epidemic. I mean, they did Local They did not announce themselves. Again, covering things up. They did not announce themselves when they went to the home. She was there with her boyfriend at the time, who had a license to, you know, have a gun. And ultimately, the police then went on to charge him for because he actually ended up, you know, shooting at the police officers, thinking that his house was going to get intruded on because they didn't thinking fucking announce themselves. His house, yeah, because they didn't announce themselves, thinking his house was getting broken into. You know, so I mean, it's just it's wild. I mean, it's ridiculous. a lot. It's I mean, a lot. It's wild. Yeah. So I mean, I, I we're I mean we're really we're we're still fighting. Don't don't let coronavirus, you know, <laughs> don't let Miss Corona have you we fooled. Are not still in this fight. <laughs> We are still in this. We are still in this fight against law enforcement abuse of power on our lives, mm. on our persons, and and um, yeah, and it's just a tragic story. And and so we really want to make sure Miss Brianna Taylor gets her due justice in the same way that Ahmad Arbery does. Yeah. We need to fight for both cases for both I black mean, men and black women and for justice, black men and black women. Yeah. So, and you know. Um, and also kind of in some sad news and some bad news, we have some flowers to give, uh, three legends, three black legends in music legends over the past weekend. Uh, one of which is Miss Little Richard. Um, she (laughs) is really the architect of rock and roll and she needs to get paid her respects. I mean, she really was the influence for so many rock and roll, white rock and roll artists like Elvis Presley the and Beatles, and, um, I think Mick Jagger, like the list goes on and on. And it's so funny because the reason she doesn't get her respect is because at the time, you know, the music labels, the record companies and American, you know, big business as a whole did not want 
young white girls, you know, passing out and fawning over a black rock and roll star because rock and roll was so popular with white teenagers. Mm. And so, you know, they basically, even though Little Richard kind of brought this genre to popularity and really is kind of the architect of it in popular culture, we really know Elvis is the king of rock and roll just because they use him as a placeholder, mm-hmm. you know, and, and give him credit for being the the king of rock and roll. But really, Miss Little Richard is the architect of and popularizing uh architect of popularizing rock and roll in main culture in mainstream culture yeah he's he's still he's still broke through that noise i mean there's still stories about you know white women or just people in general coming to his concerts and ripping off his shirt like just loving his music like being some one of the few black musicians at the time who was able to perform in rooms that had both black and white people when many times they would be segregated like different clubs different spaces um and also for being so you know overly sexual he was gay yes. as fuck um visibly queer visibly, visibly queer, queer like makeup way hair, of his time. You know, lipstick like would do the most um and what had been doing been and that even, way from when he was very young yes yes he even you know even as a teenager and as a child he definitely took flack from his family for that i mean i mean because he grew um, he grew up even, in a um evangelical um black pentecostal home so grew up very religious and in a church uh but i'll tell you still like if you look up what tutti frutti was talking about those lyrics got chained because it was definitely talking about some behavior that a couple of uh, me and miss Deborah are very familiar with <laughs> yes. yes and so and even actually toward the end of little richard's life he seemed to kind of regress. Away yeah, that from that his definitely that definitely was disappointing. But, um, I think a couple of years ago, or maybe because he, I think it's a couple of years back, he um, had kind of been looked back on his past and his history a bit differently, and you know, it kind of we you know found church and religion again, and kind of stepped away, you know, feeling like oh, we have man and we have woman, and kind of became kind of disappointing in that respect, kind of like reinterpreting his past and kind of moving away from it. But we can't take away the history. Absolutely that, not. Absolutely you know, not. What's his yeah. artistry and what he put out for the world for decades. Sometimes uh, legends disappoint. Sometimes legends disappoint, but that exactly. doesn't make um, his exactly. impact on our world and on music any less. Um, like another woman who I knew her song so well. It's one of my favorite songs, but I did not know her name. Miss um, Betty Wright. Yeah, she passed away at 66 in her native Miami, Florida. Um, and so many paid tribute to her, including um, our own, our good friend, Mark Lamont Hill, uh, Miss Kelly Rowland. She was just an inspiration, an R&B inspiration to a number of female artists. And so one of her regret- big songs that you're probably familiar with is Clean Up Woman. I can't do the rest of the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes. she, I can't believe she did that song at 18. Um, I gotta find the rest of the lyrics of it. I always, I always just do the clean up woman part. Can you do the rest of it? Can you sing it? You know, I can. <laughs> you would not want to hear me sing it. How about that? My a clean my up vocals. woman. It's a woman who gets all the love we girls leave behind. Oh, oh, drop it, drop it, drop it. No, I didn't have that part in there. But um, girl, don't sing too much. We might have to pay for that. Don't sing too much. <laughs> You're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, but she you did know, get paid. I mean, she had worked with so many different artists. I know one of your favorite artists specifically uh, that she worked with was... Yes, Miss Mary J. Well, her she sampled in the Real Love remix. Uh, in fact, it's that Clean Up Woman. It's, it's Clean Up Woman is sampled in Mary J. Blige's Real Love remix. Mm-hmm. If you listen to the very beginning 
um, of both songs. You know, it's an obvious sample. So, I mean, Miss Betty Wright was actually sampled in a number of 90s and 2000s hits that you, you didn't even realize. So, she's a legend. I mean, we're definitely mourning her loss, as we are uh, Andre Harrell. So, Andre Harrell was a music producer. He's the founder of Uptown Records. Mm-hmm. But previously... Um, he he discovered Sean P. Diddy Combs, or Diddy, along with one of my favorite artists, Miss Mary J. Blige. Come on, Mary. Um, a legend in music, in the music industry, in terms of producing, A&R, Discovery. I mean, and not just even um, the music industry. Like, he worked on New York Undercover, like, as an executive producer on that show. Just yes. influenced so much of, like, hip-hop and R&B at that time. Yes, it definitely, you know, and in fact, I... I had an experience in 2011 encountering Andre Harrell where he was judging a music contest that one of my friends was singing in. Oh, snap. Um, and Yeah, and he was just so gracious to her. He pulled her to the side. She didn't win the contest. I think she, you know, might have even placed in the top three but didn't win. And Did she get, did she get any money? Side. You know, she did not get any money okay. or anything out of that contest, but it was a great experience for her. Okay. She. But Andre Harrell pulled her to the side and just still encouraged her and was just so kind to her. And, you know, and he didn't really have to do that because this is his big time music producer. He was right here in Detroit and um, he came to town for this competition. Mm. And, um, yeah, and so I was just kind of uh, curious about him. I see he died in in his home in West Hollywood. He has an ex West Hollywood. Um, Yeah, I just always wondered if, you know, if he was fam if he was part of you know black gay culture but i haven't found any information to that effect mm. and so uh but it's interesting he's heavily tied to russell simmons oh yeah so what's interesting about that and yeah so what's interesting about russell simmons that they were collaborators early on in andre harrell's career um and so russell simmons is so funny i was you know sitting before pre-corona really right in the weeks leading up to lockdown and quarantine i was sitting with um old lady blackfish who (laughs) worked in the new york fashion industry for 20 plus years Uh one of my mom's friends and she was telling me how russell simmons you know we all know his proclivities for young women and young girls i mean he's in trouble for that now there's cases against him civil cases possibly even criminal cases for his alleged conduct. Alleged. Um, but she was saying he, he liked not just young women, but young men. Oh. Russell Simmons. Oh. Yeah, and so funny, she was saying that even at the time, he, Miss Russell Simmons hit on her husband at the time. Oh, no. Very aggressively and explicitly, yeah. What did she do? Did she so go in on that ass? That's some tea. So the husband went in on, on Russell Simmons. Oh. The husband did. So it's just so funny because... Um, you know, it's just interesting. You know, we think of Russell Simmons, Simmons as this, you know, womanizer and abuser of, or potential abuser of young women. And she was saying, well, actually, his sexuality was definitely on a continuum. Mm. Um, and so that is just some I tea never knew that. Of, that is some tea. I don't always forget yeah, that. Yeah, like, me neither. You know, he was like me married to... But, Sorry, go ahead. To Kimora. Yeah, he's married to Kimora Lee Simmons, yeah. of course. I never got over the, that neck. I don't know what happened with that neck, but um, anyway off topic yeah so and she she of course uh yeah like she's obviously a successful you know a successful model and businesswoman of her own but it's just interesting to to hear about kind of like Mm. you know i love to hear old stories about hollywood and black hollywood and black 
music and and what's the tea? What's the real tea? Yeah, I, I, I ask the old girls, the older girls that and the older queens that all the time. Like, what was the real deal? You know, and there's just so much story so, that I think about like the early days of hip hop, and I mean even today that like you know we we still aren't really talking about like gay black hip hop artists. Like we have a couple. Right. Um, um, oh God, I'm blanking on this <laughs> right now. Oh, there's yeah, so few. Um, I mean, but I think I think no. I definitely I hit the I I definitely hit the old. You know that's why you gotta befriend older queens and older older black ladyfish. They know the real tea because I mean I've even heard stories about Miss Michael Jackson from some. I mean some of the older girl, black queens. What stories have we not heard girl. about Michael Jackson? But. I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. But it's just different. But it's different stories than you would think, mm. possibly. You know. So, yeah, it's yeah. I love to. I love to hear about old. You know, what was the real team? Because now, uh, with our generation and younger, we're just so out in the open. We're very, we're very free to live our full mm. lives for the most part. And so, you know. But obviously, even the '90s was a very different time. Yeah, so very true. Very true. Yeah. So, Miss Malachi, we, you know, we're going to transition to something you've been wanting to talk about for a long time. Yes. Um, our last all news show um, kind of superseded that. But yeah, I am ready to have our conversation black sitcoms, old school versus new school. This is something we had, a topic we had come up with for a bit. Um, and we're about to go in on comedy and sitcoms. Like, do they age well? Which shows have we been watching, you know, that were 10 years, you know, a decade before and that we're still watching? Are the shows that we're watching now, are these shows that we'll still look back on and be watching 10 years in the future? So think about everything from, like, you know, Cosby Show, Fresh Prince, Living Single, even going further back to, like, Sanford and Son. But even thinking about shows today like Insecure, um, we recently, you know, Black as Fuck, um, Kenya Barris's new show just recently came out on Netflix. Kenya Barris, also known for Grownish, Blackish, sorry, let me start at the beginning. Blackish, Grownish, and Mixish. <laughs> yes, so, yes. Excited to really dive into this topic. And we're, and we're calling this segment Enlightened Judy's when we go in depth <laughs> on a topic. Yes. Thanks to one of our listeners who suggested I like it that segment, and so we love it. Enlightened Judy's, indeed, and so yeah, just kind of thinking back at some of our older favorite sitcoms that is, this conversation sparked when Miss Malachi and I were just having one of our regular phone conversations, and I was saying I think maybe some other people were on. I can't remember whether other people were party to this discussion, but. Um, we were just, I was, I was going through, I, you know, I'm still a cable girl. I keep cable. I know I'm one of the last ones (laughs) who still keeps my cable on, but girl, it's it's worth it for me. So I, you know, so sometimes I'm just watching BET and, and TV one and watching old episodes of Living Single or even the Cosby show. Uh, and it's funny because the shows that I found that have aged really well, definitely, I feel like the Cosby show, believe it or not. Uh, I'm gonna say not. Old episodes. I'm gonna say not. You you say not. You say not. But if we look at it in a vacuum, independent of Bill Cosby and his proclivities and his abuse and all these things that he ignore A B C D and E, it still holds up. But the show itself, Miss Felicia Rashad, is the you know. I mean, Felicia Rashad is a queen. Claire Huxtable. So tell so tell me what works for you for the Cosby Show. Like what works in terms of what still holds up? You know, I just think some of the jokes are just timeless. I mean, I some of the episodes just feel so like 
you know, a lot of people were like, oh, my God, like, Cliff Huxable was the only dad I ever had. I know a couple of girls who mm. said that, and mm. they relate to those family dynamics, the big family. Mm. I mean, and even though it wasn't, you know, quite, it's weird because it actually, for maybe some, like, black educated girls at this time, you know, a lot of people are kind of basing their lives and their, and their family structures and their and the model for how they want to live their lives based on how the Huxtable how the Huxtables live, you know? I know a doctor and a lawyer married to each other, or two lawyers married to each other, and um, I think the show itself, in a vacuum, aged well. Now, of course, the legacy of Bill Cosby has not aged well, so we want to Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, because I think for me, with the Cosby show, I think even when, I feel like I was just a weird younger kid because I'm also one of those kids like when I was young watching Friends I was always like why aren't there any black people this is fucking weird I don't want to watch this I think for me with the Cosby show I think even when I was younger I'd be watching it and I was like this just feels so performative like so extra like there's just something about like the kind of respectability politics which again I didn't have that language when I was younger but there's just something that just I felt that in the Cosby show and just felt authentic to me really? and maybe that was because you know in some ways, my family was like that family. Like, you know, my mom being, you know, a, a medical professional and, you know, my dad being a business person. But, um, you know, there's just something there and kind of seeing, you know, my own family history, the ways in which there are flaws and cracks underneath that just kind of seeing, like, I don't believe all of this. And ultimately, as we found out later, there was a lot of stuff happening underneath that wasn't all okay. Um, but... I, I still respect it, and I definitely so you think understand. It would, hmm? So you think the Cosby Show? It's like a facade. It's like promoting. A yeah, facade. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for yeah, I then th- I think that's why. Like for me, like I just always appreciated it. Like I, I guess this is, a, this is definitely a little bit later, but I appreciate things like Fresh Prince. I pre- like I appreciate things like Martin because for me with Fresh Prince, we got a show where like with, well one, come on Philly, West Philadelphia, born and raised on a <laughs> yes. playground. Oh, I could do I. Do, uh, yes. Never minded doing that, but I think one of the best theme songs still. For absolutely, any absolutely, yeah, uh, iconic. Uh, but I think with Fresh Prince, the fact that it was like that you had their their family, Uncle Phil's family, was in some ways like a kind of Cosby like family. But but um, Will just basically was like throwing a grenade in that. Like he just brought such a different conflict that it kind of made that family have to really look at themselves and be more real. And I so just appreciated that. Um, I appreciate the hoodness of Martin, where it's like, you know, you got um, shenanigans across the street. Like, you know, you know, especially going to Philly, you know, there's some shenanigans out there. Again, Martin has his own kind of problematic piece to it. Yeah, it's problematic. And see, I'm from Detroit, where Martin took place in Detroit, and yet... I don't stand for Martin like that, like because really, I think that, you don't stand for Martin at yeah, all. I don't. I I love Shanene. I love the site. I will watch Shanene clips Ugh. and Kilo. Uh, 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 is that your wife or is that your dog walking backwards? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, my favorite episode is where in, where they're all Martin is driving them all and they're all in the back and um, I guess Martin or Tom, I think it's Tommy actually mispronounces Shanene's friend's name and they spell out her name. Key, low, 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 right. K E Y low, low. And yet that show bothers me so much because really? I look at the dynamic between Martin and Pam and how he constantly degraded yes. her, talked down to her. Yes. I feel like there's a colorism element there. Talked down to her like a dog. Because um, for those of you who like don't know, dog. Martin was married to Gina, who was this beautiful, light-skinned woman, Miss Tisha Campbell. 
I feel like she has an abbreviation in her last name. Tisha Campbell Knight? Tisha Campbell Martin is her full name. Oh, really? Tisha Campbell Martin. Mm. Um, yeah, who's been around forever. Like she was in um she was in the first um the movie version of Little Shop of Horrors. Like she's been around for, like her she's been around forever. But um yeah, like so you had, you know, how he treated Gina versus how he treated Pam, who was a dark skinned woman, and who literally always spoke to as a dog, uh like always talked down to her. Even when one of his friends, Tommy, um, you know, started dating her, was still talked down to her like she was trash. Um, and that 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 did rub me the wrong way, especially as a, a yeah. someone who's of a little bit of a darker complexion. I didn't love that. That wasn't great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't. And it's funny because at the time in the '90s, or when we were kids, maybe watching it as reruns in the 2000s, like we, no one thought anything of it. And now looking at it through a 2020 lens. That was problematic as fuck, like, and it actually kind of links back to what used to be one of my favorite shows growing up, Stanford and Son. I used to watch, mm. I mean, obviously it was before my time. It when when did 70s. Sanford and Son come out? When was Sanford and Son? It was in the 70s. I think it wow. ran, um, like, it's the height of it was maybe like 72, 73, 74. Mm. Um, and it's funny because the, the main character, Fred Sanford, reminded me so much of my grandfather. So Fred Sanford, who was played by it's, Red Fox, who was a very famous comedian exactly, at the time. Very famous comedian at the time. Um, and so, but it's weird because also on that, you had Fred G. Sanford was constantly railing on his sister-in-law, his, the wife of his deceased, uh, was it a, I mean, sorry, the, sister, uh, the sister of his deceased wife, Elizabeth. And she, you know, was a darker skinned woman. And he was telling her, you know, you could put your face in some dough and make some gorilla cookies. Gorilla, yes. You know? Her name was Aunt Esther, wasn't it? it? Aunt Esther, yes. yes. And I, at the time, I, I used to be, when I was younger, all of it was so funny to me looking at it through a 2020 lens and issues with colorism and whatnot. I don't, I don't feature that. And I think Martin kind of took on that trope with Mm. Martin constantly degrading Pam the way Fred Stanford constantly degraded on Esther. And so I just, but I think it's also something there with like, you know, thinking about Sanford and Sons um, influence. I mean, it was one of the most watched sitcoms, right? Like think some influence introducing white people to like what, you know, black, what life is like black, for black culture black, black families black life yeah i mean they lived in watts california like mm. i mean it was they owned a junkyard it was really interesting the dynamics there they were this was not a cosby show type show like they lived in the hood running a junkyard and they brought on characters they had a they brought a hispanic character a wow. hispanic character onto mainstream tv they uh dealt with a lot of issues ahead of their time but yet i question it was in in some some weeks Sanford and Son was the number one show on television in the early 70s. So that is impressive for a black sitcom, for sure, at that time, to be at various times. I think it used to compete with All in the Family. Mm. But I think Sanford and Son, I look back at old ratings and there was some, it was almost always in the top three or four shows in a given week. What what kind of issues, what kind of issues did they talk about? Was it like the normal? Yeah, they... I mean, it, they didn't. They definitely dealt with like Fred had his own prejudice issues mm. against like Hispanics. So it talked about the kind of in Southern California, yes. as you see an influx of more Hispanics in the seventies, which is still kind of as someone who lives those. in LA, there is still friction today between like the Latinx community For and like sure. the black community here. But you got to think about Watts back then would have been an all black community, and right. then you start to have. Hispanics coming in. So they were dealing with now South Central and Watts 
and whatnot are actually even in Compton even are predominantly Hispanic or slightly mm. majority Hispanic. So it's interesting. The only black telling you about your own hometown girl, but the only no, girl, in Los you Angeles fine. girl. I'm not so girl. I'm not going down to that part of the LA. <laughs> Yeah, but it's funny because the only the only majority black neighborhoods left in Los Angeles because even like areas like you know what used to be South Central and or the, what they now call South LA and Watts and many of those neighborhoods have significant black you know minorities but are are majority Hispanic but Baldwin Hills, Ladera Heights, hmm. and Viewpoint Winter Hills, which are like more upscale black communities, are very much so upscale black communities. Mm-hmm. Those are the only majority black areas left in Los Angeles County. Hmm. So it's really interesting how in the more working class uh, black areas in Los Angeles County, or what we used to call the hood, or what we would call the hood, those areas have kind of become more Hispanic over time. So did you did you Sanford include Angle? Already, already dealing with that. Did you include Englewood in that? This is Englewood not still majority black? Yeah, I, I don't think. I think Englewood because uh, I don't think it's getting, Englewood, gentr- yeah, it's getting gentrified. In LA County, it's getting gentrified. Yeah, and I think it has a significant Hispanic population too. So um, I don't think Englewood is majority black anymore either. I think literally those three neighborhoods I read. Ladera, Baldwin Hills, and mm. Viewpoint Windsor Hills, Baldwin which are all upscale Hills. areas. You know, if you watch Insecure, it's actually, I think, Issa Rae, her family home is in one of those communities. Mm. The one where she goes back to the house and uh, gets in the pool. And then, of course, the current homeowners who are white well, you I, know, discover her. Yes, I did see that. Yeah. So, Well, I got opinions about Insecure. But before we get to, you know, where Reese is, um, well, first, I want to know. So, Sanford and Sons still stand works for you, like to stand the test it, of time. It doesn't. It was funny as a teenager. It, it. I used to. My mom used to get me DVDs of it for Christmas. I loved it so much. But yeah. it doesn't stand the test of time. Oh, anymore. it doesn't. Just like Martin, oh. just like Martin, because of the colorism dynamic, okay. and the disrespect for black women, it doesn't stand the test of time so, for me in twenty twenty. And there's another show from a, a couple decades later that also doesn't. I can't. Is it fam? Family matters. Yeah, I feel like you're family a little... matters to me is really. It's so funny. As a kid, it was just you know the slapstick comedy of Steve. Urkel Come on, Urkel. You know it was so cute and so funny back then. Or Stefan. You know I was into. I thought Stefan was cute. Stefan was. Cute. Oh, Stefan was fine. Yeah, Stefan was fine. But you know, Ooh. it's so funny. The the jokes seem so corny and so out of place. Oh yeah, we in... got to say Stefan was so Urkel ha- was this nerd. I mean, most people I think would know Family Matters, but Urkel was next door neighbor who had a crush on the daughter and um, was this complete nerd and he made this special machine that would turn him into this hot, sexy little boy named Stefan. Okay, that was it. <laughs> and it's so funny cuz it come it, it will come on in reruns on cable and I can't even get through a whole episode. It's so cheesy, you know. It's so really? funny. As as a, as a so, kid, I love that show. So it's not so much problem so it's not problematic, just more cheesy. Just cheesy, just, just not not okay. problematic, just cheesy. But okay. some of the shows that I oh, that are like '90s sitcoms that I love that still to this day seem so timely or timeless, rather. Uh, Moesha. I um, was just about to say. I heard Moe. Yeah, I heard Moesha still, and I've caught a couple recently. I was like, okay, she's still. Come she on, Brandy. She stood the test of time. She really that that show has really stood the test of time. The issues they dealt with, the storylines, it was really well done. As Ooh, is Living right. Single. I think Living Single has really stood the test. of oh time Oh my too. god! I mean, the original Friends. For those of y'all, y'all don't know, Living Single have you know Living Single have been around for a minute, and then Friends came up, 
and basically just whitewashed it and supposedly took um took credit for it. Um, so people don't realize Living Single was OG friends. But the whole concept of, you know, a group of male and female friends living in New York you know kind of like always hanging out together i mean living single was definitely the original and i it's funny because i always i always i was railed on or recently i've been railing on friends i found myself watching a few episodes of friends recently why are you watching friends and you know and it wasn't it i i understand the popularity now of course i used to think it was so overrated but i understand it but of course living single is the original is amazing and it is a show it comes on almost every weekday morning and it's like something i could get up and watch every day and for the girls unlike you who don't have for the girls unlike you don't have cable it's also on hulu so oh that's good to know if i ever want to disconnect which i'm a cable whatever i'm a cable whatever so privileged you and your cable just uh (laughs) (laughs) well girl y'all girls getting all those subscriptions are paying almost as much as i do you know what we're not talking about that we're not gonna argue about subscriptions versus cable right now (laughs) okay because by the time you have hbo go or hbo max and i just i only signed up for it for a month to watch insecure to catch up on it (laughs) and netflix and hulu and you know disney plus it all adds up i I don't have disney plus see i'm holding off i'm holding off to there's some more marvel shows (laughs) okay 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 but uh so what about the new sitcoms girl what do you think about the new sitcoms and how they hold up i mean i mean yeah so i just so yeah I, i signed up for so i was i've been a bad black person i have not been keeping up with insecure i um watched it in the beginning like made it about halfway through the season and then I stopped watching. And I have a reason for it. So I went partly prep for this show. I went back and I've watched. I'm completely caught up. I watched all the seasons. And I got that add-on for $14 on Hulu. So I am spending even more money for my subscriptions. But I'm going to cancel it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, with <laughs> with Insecure. I mean, I think in general, this feels... I mean, a lot of people have been saying this is the golden age of TV because we just have so many choices and options because you have Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and still having the cable networks and the main, um, the um, the original um, TV networks as well. Um, and I think that golden age does extend to black TV. I think there's more we are getting... I mean, again, yes, we had of the diversity that's happening there is still limited i think we're getting more than black people i know with fresh off the boat we're seeing a bit with asian americans there's still work to be done i think but definitely think for black tv we're seeing more shades and more um different examples of what, what the experiences of black people are like uh and i think for me like to, see, to know that you know i was watching insecure and i had my opinions about that and then we also have like blackish and grownish and mixish and kenny barris's new show black as fuck um and then at the same time you could also go to tbs and watch tyler perry's shows like i think this is we are having a nice plethora of different types of um examples of black life for um, sure we have a diversity of black media now i think you know, with sitcoms and even even though sitcoms as a genre are kind of not as popular as they were like in the nineties or two thousands per se, right? There aren't as many on television in yeah. general. But but I think we have a good diversity with blackish and grownness or even black AF, which I actually I know the girls were going off on it. I actually I actually enjoyed it, to be honest. Like I, I, I did too. I think the girls were more going off on him than the show, I feel yeah. like. Because I'm not gonna lie. 
His acting well, is, is n- I mean, he he's, it's not there. It's, it's not, not there. there. Uh, yeah, but I think it also is just like no shade. Um, he has essentially remade the show like for like he's made a show about a frustrating father figure with a light skinned family, basically. Uh, well, I guess in mixes, he's a white father, <laughs> but he's remade the same show like four times at this point. Like, um, you know, we started with Blackish, which I never, I appreciate Blackish, but I think I just, this is something about Anthony Anderson. Maybe I saw him in something that just got on my nerves. I just have yeah. never shipped that for him. Remember like, he was in Tracy, Law and Order for a little bit, actually? I didn't believe it. I, I do remember, and I didn't believe him as a cop. Um, yeah, I didn't yeah. believe him as a hard boiled New York detective. I was like, y'all cast Anthony. I get it. Y'all trying to let him grow, but come on now. Uh, but Tracy Ellis Ross, you know, I I met her once in a Rite Aid, and she's still, you know, she does have a little bit of a wonky eye. But, other, but outside of that, she is still a beautiful, you know, she's daughter of Diana Ross. You can't talk about that. Um, so I I appreciate Blackish, and you know, and Rashida Jones, Rashida Jones really carried Black AF too. I think, you know, the women are carrying a lot of his shows. Like I thought, I thought mm. Rashida Jones did a good job on that, even though his acting is. Not yeah, I, I I actually love the kid. Like, I think I really enjoy Black AF because I think I like mockumentary style types of shows. And I think, weirdly enough, like, I wasn't crazy about The Office. But I think this is working for me. And I think also they're just kind of, they're kind of terrible, but in a fun way. Like, I like really fucked up dysfunctional fam like dysfunctional me too. characters me too uh, like the <laughs> fact that they call each other assholes and like I love it I <laughs> like love it. Between, and there's just no you know they kind of call each other out like I just really enjoy that but at the same time they do still come together um, I think ultimately that season this new season it's eight episodes on Netflix I think it wrapped up a bit too neatly because there's some real you know struck some real cracks in the foundation of like especially his marriage with Rashida where I think ultimately I he just is not a likable character. Like, he really is an asshole. Like, the fact that, like, one of... He has a writer's room, so is basically telling retelling his life as a writer, as a well-known writer. Um, and he has a writer's room, and he has a woman writer who has a family, and he how he goes out of his way to shame her for yes. wanting to go home to be with her child. And it's not really resolved. And at the same time, he's also kind of frustrated by the fact that his wife, who nearly died in, her, in birthing their latest child, because, by the way, she birthed six six goddamn children for you um how she's now trying to do something different and kind of refine herself and to see him constantly shit on that it just ugh, it wasn't my favorite parts like that but i think those are issues that can play into another season you know i think they have yeah. to have some yeah. source of you know of conflict for season two so i for sure i think yeah sure. but addressing he's a total asshole he really is and absolutely he even, and he even mentions that kind of throughout the the show and his kids call him an asshole. I mean, I, I'm impressed. I think a lot of black people were taken aback because they don't know any families where they address their parents like that or speak to their parents like that. Maybe it's not the most realistic for a lot of black families, but I bet you there are families like that, you know? Oh, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely out here, I think. And I think um, we think a lot of times we think we, you know, we only think of white white kids talking to their parents all kind of crazy, but I know that there are definitely black kids who probably do the same. I mean, yes. I haven't seen it. But I know it exists. I'm sure it exists. Yeah, like, I haven't seen it, but I know it's somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But, you, you know, it's funny because you, you know, even the Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry cameo in Black AF was so interesting. My mom um, actually walked in the room while I was watching it. And really? she was like, oh, my gosh, I've never heard Tyler Perry talk like that. 
you know. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen the series and at least watch the episode that Tyler Perry's in, you know, that I think was so fascinating because even this whole discussion around new black media, you know, Tyler Perry talks at length about expectations and basically his own expectations versus meeting expectations of white people and so that's just something i don't want to ruin it but i want to go yeah i want yeah but i do want to flag something about that episode yeah i i think there's something with that episode is really because basically he creates this panel of like black uh you know black influencers or black media um you know media elite so you had like ava duvernay you had Issa ray um Oh shit! I forgot the other the guy who um, Lena Lena Lena. Oh, Lena Waithe is there. Yes. Couple. Of, oh yeah. Who's, who did? Oh, I'm, I'm gonna look him up because I love the like first barbershop. Issa <laughs> um, Issa Ray was on that episode. Oh, Tim too. Story. Tim Story, who did like barbershop. But anyway, he just had this panel of people to kind of talk about like whether. I, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. I think you made a good point there, but just just top level, you know. Can we, you know, can we challenge, you know, the things that we create as black people to be more? Because sometimes a lot of things that we create, you know, that is critiqued by white people, they are a bit afraid to critique those things or to talk about where they're bad. And how do we grow this art form? Or how do we still grow this art form if we're not being honest about the ways in which we can make our work better? Yes. And so that debate within that episode, even if you don't love the show, I think the debate within the episode is worthwhile uh, is a worthwhile one to have in terms of, you know, quality of black content. How do we kind of uh, critique our, our own or do we allow others to critique us or how not to allow others to critique us? So that was that was a great episode of that show. I, I Honestly, it was my favorite one out of all of the episodes, of the eight episodes of Black AF. So what shows do you think that are on today are going to stand the test of time? I'm, I mean, I, I think we're going to talk about Instagram a bit more because I feel like I I want to do like an insecure recap show, <laughs> but no, but I oh, okay. I have opinions about insecure because I think that I think insecure is really special because one, it's nice to see someone like Issa who is kind of messy, kind of complicated. As we all know, she cheated on her man, her good man. Oh my god, girl, a good man, and you just cheated on him. Uh, Daniel was mm. fine. I give I give it to you, but I'm yeah, Daniel. <laughs> I'm team, I love Daniel. Oh my god, you're team Daniel. You know, he looks. I am- I'm Team Daniel. I am Team Daniel. Yeah, he's a little, he's a little too, he's a little too top heavy for me. But I, pre- I get it. I get what y'all feel about him. I understand it. I just like someone a bit more proportional, which is what Lawrence gives me. <laughs> but I mean, Lawrence didn't have a job for like what five years of them being together. I mean, I it wasn't five. Years. It was a long. It was time. like two years. It was, was a two lame. Years. It was, he was a lame. So man. then that means she that you're gonna go cheat. She was so the minute you're so I mean he just wasn't you know women cheat uh, I've heard that women cheat for very different reasons <laughs> than men do and he wasn't meeting her needs in terms of financially emotionally he just missed the mark as a boyfriend so I don't you know she cheated on him but yeah honestly he was not a good boyfriend to me I I don't think he was I think he was a good if we just call a man who doesn't cheat or beat your ass a good man. That's such a low standard. Like, to me, Lawrence at the time was not a good man. Now, he has the... I mean, he might be a good man now in later seasons, but I think he's in that first better, season, he was not but... a good man. I don't agree with yeah. that. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, um, but there's also... During a relationship... 
<laughs> I've heard, as someone who has never been in a relationship, that during one, you know, there's highs and lows, and sometimes you have to make it through that low moment. But, like, what what do you think he could have done better? <laughs> Just take a job? <laughs> uh, yeah. Get a motherfucking or, job? <laughs> exactly. I mean, they were in survival mode at that time. I mean, they were That's living fair. off of her, you know... And she didn't. Service. She didn't have a great. She didn't have a great job to begin with. Let's she be didn't. real. So, so if she was really floating him, like she wasn't making crazy money, not like she Molly. was not. Had and money. she was floating him. So I really, you know, I. But I love Daniel. Oh my gosh, I really don't fully understand why they're not together. But uh, we'll come back to that in another because show. they're. Me- oh yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll, but yeah. okay, I have a page about why they're not. They, I don't think they should be together. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I think insecure. I think the influence of Insecure about, like, also just showing beautiful black people on TV, like, the way the, they light those people on the show, those characters on the show, is just like, oh, if I could have that kind of lighting every day, um, I, my life would be so much better. But I don't know if, will Insecure sanitize? I think Issa will. I don't know if this is that show. I don't know. I'm 50-50 on whether Insecure will, you know. Y- yeah, I understand. Your, I, I, think, I, think the, I think the young girls... 15, 20 years from now, we'll be watching it just the way they watch Sex in the City. I think, I you? do. I oh, think you think so? So it will sound. Okay. I do. I do. I think it is. I think it's the show for now that, do you, and I think it's a show for 20 years from now. That's, I think it's pretty do you think, in a lot of ways. Do you think Blackish will? Will Blackish be the new Cosby show? I think Blackish will also. I was a little hesitant about Blackish at first, and then I started watching. Some episodes. I think Blackish will also be a show that ten years from now will be in reruns on TV. Like I think it stands the test mm-hmm. of time in terms of it will be on television, be in reruns, and be a popular show with you know younger girls who are going to be watching it on Netflix or on cable. Like fifteen years from now. Mm-hmm. So I, I think so. I do. So then, what shows do you think want? Do we have any shows right now that you Ty- think the wants? Tyler Perry shows? The Tyler Perry oh, shows. Yeah. Are you the, sure? Those sitcoms are just not doing... They are like... They're like Family Matters, but so just even the difference lower being quality, like, we, like, they're the worst. The difference between, like, you know, Insecure being a bit more of a drama, dramedy, and Blackish being a bit more of a comedy, but, like, Tyler Perry shows, like, you know, House of Pain and things like that being a bit more like that kind of slapstick kind slapstick of Slapstick comedy, yeah. And I think that's not going to last. I think that's not going to last. I think those shows, mm. like, like I think they just don't stand the test of time. I think the mm. comedy is too basic. And I think, I think for now he has an audience and he has a niche and people watch them and they enjoy want those basic Want those basic girls have children and want those children love. But I think the basic <laughs> shows, there'll be new basic shows. That'll ah, take the place. I mean, I think there'll be new basic shows that take their place. And maybe Tyler Perry will be creating those too. Cause so May, yeah. Tyler you know, Perry, he'd be working. He he'd sure working. does. So hmm. um but yeah, so that's I mean, that's our enlightened Judy segment for today. <laughs> um Miss Malachi, is there any is there any listener mail? You know, uh so you can send us questions, comments. And stories from quarantine to ask a s k t h e m at two say dot com. You can also leave us a comment or question by voicemail at three two three four three eight two eight two seven. Yes, we have a phone number. Um, so there is one question from an anonymous. Um, oh, they are just kind of wondering. Um, it goes, "Hey queens," um, kind of short and to the point, but they're just wondering, "How do you stay sane with everything going on? Like, what are your kind of?" 
coping mechanisms to, you know, deal with all the news and all the stress and everything going on. Um, so I definitely have an opinion on this. Um, but do you want to go first? Ms. Yeah, Emma? you know, it's funny because one of my secrets, like when I feel like I'm getting anxious or whatnot, something that really helps me is CBD oil, honestly. I mm. I really, yeah, I mean, even yeah, we at the get beginning. some weed sponsors. <laughs> and I'm not even, a, I'm not a weed or a marijuana girl at all. Like I do not. I have just never been. I mean, I don't. I I appreciate the girls who are, but I'm not. But CBD oil, you know, and I think the kind I have doesn't even have any THC in it. But it just is very relaxing for me, and was helping me get over even you know mild panic attacks I was having at the beginning of the quarantine over the mm-hmm. pandemic. So um, that's one of those things. But also exercising. Um, getting exercise, even going outdoors to get some exercise and get some sun. I think that's super important. Um, and Especially when you're stuck at home. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think sleep is important too, for sure. What about you, Ms. Malachi? Uh, you know, for me, I think there's something that I was surprised that you do as well. I watch, um, I watch cartoons i watch the animated tv shows i watch things that are going to just make me laugh um that surprisingly is a bit slapstick or you know low but just something that's just like i'm not gonna have to think about that can just shut off a bit um especially before in the evening or before i go to bed um and i also try to make sure that like i don't read certain things or check out certain things like go on twitter at certain times like when i'm gonna go to bed just uh i don't have that on my chest have that sitting with me um so that that helps i think the other thing i do is also i just kind of unplug like i just think that you know as people especially um whether you're gay or black or black and gay you know the world is a lot right now it really feels like we're we're being attacked at all sides and i think it's important to just um protect your mental health and sometimes that means that you can't be aware of everything at all times we can't you know that's we're inundated with information and sometimes you just kind of have to give your give a limit to when you take in that information um and what's going on and other times just kind of let it go because sometimes there's not really anything that you can do for it exactly when things are beyond your control what can you really do i mean so i i totally agree with that and in fact i agree with the cartoons piece too i i have found myself watching you know, DuckTales or just things <laughs> like old Disney movies Woo-hoo. to get in my mind. Yeah, I think I, I watched Mulan again the other day. I love Mulan. Oh, Ooh, I can't wait for the animated film. I'm ready for her. Yeah. I think same. it got pushed, but yeah. <laughs> but um, um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I totally agree with all of your recommendations too. Yeah. Um, so thank you for your uh, question. And again, you can write into us at askthem at twosavedqueens.com or leave us a message at 323-438-2827. Um, so now we are um, nearing the end of the show. So we're going to get into our thoughts and prayers. I just have a prayer this week. But I want to see if you have anything on you. You need to get off your chest, Miss Deverall. I'm going to let you take on the segment this week, Miss Malachi. Yeah. Yeah, please. Yeah, I think I think my week started off. Um, I I didn't have one actually, <laughs> uh, and then Monday I got a call from a family member and it kind of put something in perspective. And I know we um, we like to have fun and be messy and cut up, um, but despite how we act on the show, you know, definitely it's worth saying that we're very aware that there's real stress and real concerns and 
what's happening with coronavirus is really affecting people. And I hope this show, like, gives you a good laugh or gives you a nice break from it. Um, but I definitely want to make sure to send my prayers to, like, people's families and friends or just people themselves who f- are feeling helpless and stuck, um, feeling left behind by their government, um, or feeling like they're not getting the support from things just from, you know, not getting the support you need to be able to stay at home where you have to go to work or from trying to, you know, reach out to unemployment office and not getting anywhere and feeling completely like now you have to find some way of making money because you can't get unemployment. Um, there's still people who are still waiting to figure out they can get unemployment there's people who are getting denied for ridiculous reasons and are being left to just fend for themselves um i think this is a real we're having this real moment of realizing that our country really does just let certain people literally die like we're at eighty thousand people that are literally died because and a lot of them are black people are people of color because there's just not infrastructure in place or there's not the foundation to take care of those people um and to see that our government which is a creation of the people to do grander things, to do things that we're not capable of doing as an individual is not filling that need, is not stepping up, and it's just so dysfunctional and still so bloated with corruption hypocrisy. It's just so frustrating. And so I really just want to take this moment to really, you know, send my prayers to um, people who are really just trying to make it through day by day, week by week, month by month, um, with everything going on. Um, so. Wow. Yeah, I I would concur. And I would just, you know... I would I would say that uh, it's something. It's also a prayer, Amen. And I think it's something a a thought. Do we need to kind of reform this unfair system, or is it something? Do we need to tear that bitch down? Like, what you know? What's the answer? I think it's something that we're gonna have to come to over time. But I know that we need to vote in November at the very least. I mean, yeah, and, and continue to advocate for the things that we know are important. Um, in the yeah. forms that we can during quarantine. So, yeah, I'm not gonna say I have the answer to that one. That's something I'm not sure. It's like, you know, do you just need to tear this bitch down to get her, build her back up so that she does work for all of us, not just some of us or the few of us? Uh, but there's also something about the fact that this is what we have right now. There's election around the corner. So, I'm not gonna say, you know, not to vote or anything like that. Like, this is very much a pivotal moment, I think, for us. Of what's going to happen in the next four years and the decades to come so indeed indeed i think with that said that is our show thank you as always for spending a little time with us um we really appreciate it um you can find us on instagram and facebook at two saved queens you can follow us on twitter and seeing us starting drama at two saved queens as well uh tell your friends slide the show into someone's dms whether they're single or not it's not like they can do anything anyway they stuck at home you know a like is a like a share is a share um and <laughs> you we also are now on apple Podcasts and itunes so um please make sure to rate us and review us there it'll help you know get us more attention so we can come for those other podcast girls um and with that we will see you next week but before we go do you have anything to leave the children with miss Deverell? i would just continue my advice to make sure you're keeping safe safe. with your mask your gloves your condoms your lube your prep okay make sure keep taking that discovery or that truvada honey you know don't play these games because you know quarantine could end at any time. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. Yeah. yeah, mask for mask, mask for mask. 
Mask for mask, right? All wear that right. mask. Wear that mask. Hashtag wear that mask. <laughs> All right, y'all. See you later. See you later. Bye.